Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. It's me again, Tavis Killian, and apologies for last week. I don't think I missed out on too much of the news, but, you know, I recorded it ahead of time, went out to the scorching deserts of Utah and Arizona, and I had such a great trip. But now, just about a week later, I am sitting in my room at home because the roads were a little too nasty to get into work. It is a snow day. So, it's pretty beautiful, it's nice, good white snow, a little bit chilly, wrapped up in my hoodie as I conducted the research for this morning's episode, but that is enough about that, I'd like to get into it. I was so excited to wake up this morning because I wanted to talk about a peculiar little merger deal, and I think we should jump right into it, but first, as always, we start with some pretty basic metrics. You know how it goes, we like to kick it off with a little bit of pricing, WTI at 38.93. Ouch. I'm not really sure why. I don't see any major events. I think it would probably come back to the inventories, but first, the rig count is now up 5 on the week. You know I've been pessimistic these past couple of weeks, as I've been harping on a decrease for a while, saying it was inevitable or maybe delayed compared to pricing, but the count does continue to climb, which maybe means I was wrong, and if that's the case, I am glad. That still leaves us down 564 on the year. But a small increase is an increase nonetheless, and those inventories I just mentioned, the EIA's most recent report for the week ending on the 16th, showed that there was about a million barrel draw since the week before that, but the API on the other hand, which was off by about 4 days, showed that their report for the week ending on the 20th showed a half million barrel build despite predicting nearly a 2 million barrel draw. Regardless, they will release their next report on Tuesday the 27th, which will actually be tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast on the day it is released, so keep your eyes peeled. Whoa, you hear that? Sounds like the merger alarm's going off, meaning there's something that must have gone down since you and I last met. Now this is the story I mentioned I was so excited for, and maybe story isn't super accurate, it's more of a history lesson, but first, it's been a busy month of mergers and acquisitions, so let's do a quick recap to make sure we're all on the same page. So ConocoPhillips said it plans to acquire Concho Resources for a $9.7 billion all-stock deal, and then earlier this month, Chevron Corporation completed its nearly $12 billion acquisition of Houston-based Noble Energy, and in late September, Devon Energy said it was buying Permian operator WPX Energy for nearly $2.6 billion. Whew! Now... We have talks between Pioneer Natural Resources and Parsley Energy. Now, these are two heavy hitters in the Permian, so this deal would make a lot of sense. But there is something that makes this deal just a bit different than the rest. The fact of the matter is that these two companies are run by father and son. Let's jog it back a ways, eh? Scott Sheffield runs Pioneer and comes from a history of wildcatters, most notably his father-in-law, Joe Parsley of Parker and Parsley. Scott began working at his father-in-law's company in 1979 as a humble petroleum engineer. Thanks to nepotism, he rocketed up the career ladder and landed a role as VP of Engineering two years later. Four years after that, he was elected president and director, and four years after that, he became chairman of the board and CEO. That is a 10-year time span from humble engineer to CEO. In 2017, it seemed that his time was finished, so Scott relinquished his position and moved to his ranch in Santa Fe. His successor lasted only two years, so Scott came out of retirement to secure the reins and once again attempted to drive Pioneer to increase profitability. Now, during Scott's time as CEO, he was also raising a son, Brian. So I tried doing research for both of these men, but I couldn't find damn near anything for Brian. I found out that he graduated with a Bachelor of Business Administration and Finance from South Methodist in 2001, 
then radio silence up until about 2008, when he founded Parsley Energy, taking over 109 old wells that his grandfather had drilled in Midland. Before that, he had no previous experience in energy, but rather, quote, family connections and a trader's taste for risk, end quote. He sure makes gambling, uh, I mean trading, look a lot sexier than I ever could. I tried to find more information on Parsley, but the company doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. All I could glean from the About Us section was that they most likely just drilled more wells between what his grandfather had already drilled to start, which was pretty low risk and allowed them to grow and expand, and things were going pretty well. But things changed in 2019 when Brian handed, or was asked to hand, Matt Gallagher, who was a Mines graduate, the role of CEO, leaving himself as chairman of the board and allowing himself to dedicate more time to his role as a minor investor in Austin's Major League Soccer team. Anywho, that concludes our extensive history lesson and brings us to present day. Despite what I have highlighted above, the Sheffields actually have more of their wealth tied up in parsley. Brian is Parsley's 11th largest shareholder with 2.7% stake valued at $105 million. Scott's stake in Pioneer is worth only $51 million. If this company is serious about merging, which it definitely seems like they are at this point, I would bet there are a lot of shareholders who see this as a massive conflict of interest due to their father-son relationship. Some even worry that this is the beginning of the end in the sense that the companies will merge, assign a board of directors, and then pull what Whiting did and allow those execs to cash out. I'm skeptical of this happening because combining both the companies would yield 930,000 acres in Midland and Delaware basins, not to mention the combined company would have a value of nearly $24 billion. In the second quarter, these two companies produced 558 million barrels of oil together. Gallagher would be added to Pioneer's board, and quite frankly, I think this company would absolutely dominate the Permian. This is definitely a big deal to keep your eyes on, because not only is it an interesting story from beginning to end, but because they could be the new kings of the Permian if investors deem this a worthy merger. But enough on that, it's about time we move on from that story, as I do want to talk about some other news, and I don't get a lot of time with you guys, but... If that left you with any questions, please feel free to leave any reviews so I can get back to you next week or reach out to me directly by emailing podcast at rarepetro.com. Next up, we've got a story that, well, if you've been listening to the past few weeks episode, you would know that Iran has been violating U.S. trade sanctions. But the story develops more. Enter another party, Iraq. Persian Gulf waters off the coast of Iraq have become a hotspot for Iranian oil smugglers. Iranian tankers mingle with other ships and transfer their cargo on board. From there, the oil is mixed in to disguise its origin, and the oil is sold in world markets. This is nothing new, though. The Wall Street Journal was actually able to get its hands on a shipping manifest from March, which revealed that 230,000 barrels of oil was transferred to a different vessel that was idling in Iraqi waters. The Iranian cargo was blended with Iraqi oil and passed to other ships. At first glance, one might think, well, this is just a simple swindle that benefits Iran as they're able to get more of their oil out, right? Well, I'd like to raise the question of price differentials. Did you know that Iraqi oil sells at a premium to Iranian oil? This means that the cheaper Iranian oil is overvalued and sold to others unaware of its origin, as Iraq makes more for doing nothing more than taking the oil, and Iran turns a profit while simultaneously exporting to countries that the U.S. would not be happy with. Something that I find really strange is that the Iraqi government has repeatedly expressed its support for U.S. sanctions, which of course 
goes against them taking in this oil, mixing it, and selling it to those who are not aware of its origins. So, who are the active participants in this trade? Who is winning? What more don't we know? This rapid development of this story has cemented it as one of my favorites, and I will be sure to get you any more information as it comes out, so make sure you are subscribed to this podcast through whatever platform you consume it through. Lastly, this is the last episode we will be recording for the month of October and also the last episode before Halloween, so I think it would be fair to talk about something scary real quick. Now think real quick, what is one of the scariest things that a board of directors or an oil executive could experience? Well, if you said bankruptcy, you are correct. Rystat Energy recently conducted a report on bankruptcies and found that the combined count of Chapter 11 filings from EMP companies in North America has reached 84 for the year. Now, this isn't as bad as the historical high of 142 in 2016, but the main difference here, even though there are fewer bankruptcies, there is already much, much more debt at 89 billion, which was 19 billion more than the record in 2016. Even though we're close to the end of the year, it is still October, and Ricehead Energy projects that by the time we hit the end of 2020, there will be over $100 billion in cumulative associated debt for those who filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Although that is terrible news for the end of the year, one also has to consider 2021 through 2022, when a lot of companies have debt that will be maturing. So... Boo, happy Halloween, there's your scare, and unfortunately that's all the time I have for you today. If you didn't get enough, or you maybe want to learn more about the Iranian deal or the other mergers I've mentioned, please go back to old episodes of Monday Madness, which you can find on rarepetro.com. It was good to see you, happy Halloween, and until we see you next time, take care everybody.